I think the coronavirus outbreak is the biggest performance art show of all time, where all human beings are alive act, me included, going about our lives in our tangible spaces and our paces. And the world, a large canvas of pristine natural beauty and sounds, stands still, watching us, the performative art on display. Hi everyone, my name is Rubina Khan and you're listening to The MASH Podcast. I'm an Indian journalist and photographer with Getty Images. We humans thought we lived in an adamantine world controlled by us until an invisible contagion microbe, the coronavirus, showed us all we obviously don't. The virus is killing humans harder and faster than any missile across the planet, halting an extremely self-serving consumerist world dead in its earth-abusive tracks. The earth seems to have quit us, albeit temporarily, leaving us to quarantine in our designated spaces and countries for a while. A while that feels more like an infinite uncertainty than a finite timeline with each passing day. For those of us who are fortunate enough to have a home to quarantine in and socially distance ourselves from our families in separate rooms with running water, food and the familiar warmth of our beds, it is an affable bespoke luxury, one that is incomparable to any in the world. Millions of our fellow humans across are homeless with no roof over their heads, jobless with no money for food or clean running water to drink, let alone to sanitize and wash their hands with multiple times a day. I think the coronavirus outbreak is the biggest performance art show of all time, where all human beings are alive act, me included, going about our lives in our tangible spaces and our paces. And the world, a large canvas of pristine natural beauty and sounds, stands still, watching us, the performative art on display. The lockdown takes me back to the first ever performance art exhibit I attended in the Hamptons in New York in 2013. It was Robert Wilson's 20th annual Watermill Center Summer Benefit called Devil's Heaven. This was held at his performance lab for arts and humanities at the Watermill Center in Long Island. Devil's Heaven was an unimaginable reality for me with Lady Gaga, who I think is the quintessence of performance art herself, and Marina Abramovich, the most lasting of all performance art legends in attendance. Watching the various intense acts of stillness and exertion across the eight-acre grounds, especially Trina Mary's Magnolias and her enchanted forest silent performers slithering seductively around tree trunks, left me awestruck and wide-eyed. At the entrance of the event, two naked figures stood statuesquely on a pedestal, embracing each other in silence, in glorious consonance, their male and female bodies painted with an almost avatarisque shade of teal, with a pink floral design akin to the Indian lotus. This was Mary's Magnolias that explored the clash between culture and nature, which is exactly what we are experiencing in the real world today. The Earth's revolt, a silent war zone of microbial and economic devastation, has the human race feeling endangered for the very first time since its existence. Some of the model's bodies, painted on to look like furniture, further conflated with material objects and the performer's naked bodies, was Mary's way of questioning human self-identities in relation to objects and the things humans own. Consumerist attitudes and human identities based on material things was almost entirely how the world ran before the coronavirus outbreak. 
Mary seems to have latently manifested today's unthinkable reality when it was anything but seven odd years ago when she created the series in New York where she is based. Her artistic expression is a dominant painful reality today and she flipped Oscar Wilde's ancient notion from life imitates art more than art imitates life into art foresees life perhaps. Never did I think ever that I would be living out my own performance act of a lifetime in these times and I am a non-conformist. Art has always provoked us into a reactive state, be it shock, rage, bewilderment, exaltation, agony, poignancy, exhilaration, or just good old gladdening. The earth seems to have taken a break from us humans to catch its own breath. Whilst we are coming to terms with a new world, one that is brought to us by the eyes and the lenses of photographers across the world. Photography is art, frozen in time, almost like an entracte between the time when the photograph was taken to the current time of its viewing. Except today, all the photographs that we see are in real time of a very unreal, very unknown world that has fallen deafeningly silent and empty. In due course, these pictures will make for a historical archive for centuries to come. The ability of a photograph to let one's mind go back and forth with meandering thoughts and shifting perspectives, never once losing the original intrinsic essence of its frame is incredulous. It can be as passive and as active as you want it to be. Real life is what's real today. Apart from our first responders being doctors and healthcare workers who are on the front lines saving lives, it is the photographers who are risking their lives to bring the world to us every single day. Images of empty streets and subways, empty places of worship, planes parked like Lego blocks in airport hangars, images of the heroic, life-saving first responders across the world, from Wuhan to Italy to India to the US, are a reality thanks to the photographers out there doing their jobs relentlessly and serving humanity. Mumbai mirrors Satyajit Desai's imagery of the Janta curfew in India on March 22nd to the stark containment zones in Worli after Mumbai's lockdown from March 25th onwards to the makeshift quarantine shelters in Mumbai's bus stands tells you the story of my city and how the virus is affecting our lives and our livelihoods wherever you might be in the world. S.L. Shant Kumar's shots of a deserted gateway of India and Mumbai's pride the Queen's Necklace, our Marine Drive, the most beautiful stretch of concrete that languidly hugs 3.6 kilometres of the Arabian Sea's shoreline, are breathtaking. Gary Hershon's pictures of an empty Times Square in New York seem like the people have been photoshopped out of it. Ollie Millington's shots of the Shard skyscraper in London, lit up in blue in thanks and support of the National Health Service of the UK on March 28th, as well as images of all landmarks in the US lighting up in blue from Boston to Vegas to thank their healthcare workers, speak volumes of the intense work being done to contain the catastrophic virus everywhere. Right from the handout photo provided by Buckingham Palace of Queen Elizabeth II, addressing the nation from Windsor Castle on April 5th in a special broadcast to the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth nations pertaining to the virus outbreak, to Abdul Ghani Bashir's somber image of the Kaaba in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, devoid of any human life and movement on March 5th, is very telling of the earth and the universe calling time on humans. 
Lillian Suvarampa's pictures of newborn babies in Bangkok, Thailand, wearing mini face shields, are as endearing as they are frightening of a new world, of a new reality upon us. The heart-wrenching photos taken by every news photographer of India's migrant workers rendered jobless due to the lockdown, walking miles from cities to reach their homes and their villages, tell you the story of India's divided landscape of the haves and the have-nots. The have-nots make up for the largest portion of our 1.3 billion people. Unsettling, but devastatingly true. Before Corona, advertisers paid top dollar to create a photography for digitally altered images of an empty Times Square or the Eiffel Tower for a fashion model to strike a pose against. But editorial news photography could never ever imagine shooting any architectural or historical landmark in the world without people milling about in hundreds and thousands. I remember trying to take a frame in Beijing of the Forbidden City without any people in it and it was exhausting and next to impossible. I cannot imagine not seeing the world with my own eyes and I'm ever so grateful to my global community of photographers for bringing the evolving new world to us at a personal cost that is immeasurably invaluable and very appreciated. This is art in motion that is unfolding every minute and every hour of every new day. Once there is some semblance of the familiar to our new world that none of us have any inkling of right now, there are some things that will have changed forever that we will be seeing through the eyes of photographers and the cameras yet again. For instance, a picture of two people shaking hands or kissing in public will be a coveted unusual image as will that of aeroplanes taking to the skies again. We might just end up feeling like one of the Wright brothers that day when we see the planes in the sky again. Public spaces with people jammed in or huddled closely will also make for unusual imagery, as will sports stars greeting each other without backslapping and hugging each other on a playing field when the games come back on. Bollywood's come hither song and dance routines and Hollywood's sex sequences will smack of sanitized physicality at its creative best or even worst. We don't know. Personal space will be big on behavioral social etiquette amongst the human race and will be a prized priority that will dictate relationships at home and at work. We stand stripped of our acquired behavioral nuances, our excessive indulgences, our obsessions with power and control, and in the adorning of our external selves, in our raw, bare skin today. Bereft of any mask in our private spaces, this reaffirms that we are all the same, never mind if you're black, white or brown. If you're human, then you're a locked target for the virus. We need to stop saying we are stuck at home and wonder when life will go back to normal. Because firstly, how can you feel stuck or bored in your own chosen space that you call home and that you've nurtured over the years to make it a home? And secondly, life is never going back to what it was. It's like wishing we could go back to our babyhood and giggle at gurgle at inanities with our parents. The world pre-corona has ended as we knew it and we will all emerge as one human race altered forever in a world that will have evolved since the first outbreak, whenever that might be. Hi everyone, my name is Rubina Khan and you're listening to The MASH Podcast.